Well, Keontae's back. That's good news as we started off on a Thursday afternoon. You always want a little good news here on Sports Talk. Well, Adrian was at practice today, and he got video of uh, Kennedy working out for the first time since December. That's that's very good news. It's promising way for us to start the show today. Three hours with you, by the way, here on a Thursday. Three hours on a Thursday. It's a lot of sports talk. We're looking forward to it. We got a lot to cover on the program as well, along with Adrian Pradas. I'm Steve Kaplowitz. Uh, still to come on the show, we are going to uh, have uh, a variety of guests. Actually, we're going to talk a little bit of everything in our five o'clock hour. Jeff Erickson wasn't with us yesterday, but he's going to be with us today, and I'm excited about that. Um, in fact, to begin our five o'clock hour, Victor Davila, who is the UFC Spanish commentator. Uh, he is part of a big, big jiu-jitsu U.S. Open qualifier that's going to be happening here in El Paso this weekend. It's going to be happening on Sunday out at the El Paso County Coliseum, a 16-man qualifier tournament, uh, which will feature the best from the U.S. So we'll have Victor Davila. And if you're a UFC fan, you're really going to enjoy this because he is kind of the Joe Rogan of UFC uh, in Mexico. That's awesome stuff, Steve. And uh, I, I know that they've got a lot of they've. I've seen this promotion like crazy. Mm-hmm. So this uh, this uh, will be coming up this weekend, and I, I know a lot of people here in El Paso are really excited about it. It's the Eddie Bravo Invitational Jiu Jitsu Tournament, and that's happening Sunday at the at the barn. And uh, we will have uh, Victor uh, calling into the show in our five o'clock hour before uh, Jeff Erickson joins us, and then. In our 6 o'clock hour, as if we're not going to talk about enough sports that never get any coverage here on the show, you are going to get a chance to meet the number one racquetball player in the U.S. who happens to be from El Paso. How about that? Didn't even know it. That's awesome stuff, Steve. I We never talk racquetball on this show. Listen, this is great. We've never done a show ever with racquetball or jujitsu, and we're combining them into back-to-back hours on the program today. So for those of you that say all we ever do is talk UTEP, uh, not today, folks. Not today. Who are they? I, I, I'm taking names, Steve. I'm uh, taking names for who the, who those people are right I'm there. with you. So, yeah, we're going to give you a little jujitsu. We're going to give you some racquetball. Your head's going to be spinning after the show today. It's That's the idea. We want you to be dazed and confused, wondering, what did you just spend three hours listening to? Well, how about a well-rounded sports radio show that gives you a little bit of everything in the Sun City? So there you go. That's what's on the uh, on the table for the show today. By the way, you were at practice. How did uh, Keontae look? You know what, Steve? He uh, warmed up with the team. He went through basic drills with the team. And as some could expect, didn't uh, go full contact, like five-on-five drills and stuff like that. So he's slowly uh, working his way back into the mix with this team. He's got to build up his conditioning. And he's still doing uh, you know, uh, skill skill work on the side just to make sure that foot is ready to go when he whenever he rejoins the team on the court. Is it a stretch to think he'll be ready uh, by Saturday? I think I think so. I, ultimately, I mean, he was flying around when he was going on and uh, going up in warmups, and he was uh, all smiles, just uh, happy to be back with a UTEP uniform. He's got to get his conditioning up, but I would be surprised if he's uh, active on Saturday. Maybe next week. That's the that's probably the target. I'm not too sure. All right. Well, listen. I mean, the fact is, there's a lot of things uh, that you know, have to affect this team. Uh, just out of curiosity, was Cam Clardy at practice today? Cam Clardy was not at practice, no. Okay, we got to talk about that too because obviously 
KTSM broke it last night. His uh, arrest for uh, what, you know, according to the story, allegedly involves um, involves weed and uh, ultimately um, a gun, although now in Texas, apparently, uh, it's no big deal anymore. It used to be we had to have a permit. Not anymore. It's crazy. That's right. Yeah, you're, you're exactly right. Um, and, and so those I know those charges, they're still uh, up, up right now. They broke yesterday with KTSM. You saw the story yesterday. He wasn't at practice. Not sure what his status is on the team. Uh, didn't get a chance to talk to Joe Golding. Practice ran a little long today. So uh, we'll see if, uh, if we get any updates from some other uh, local media members who are out there. Uh, hopefully that'll be what happens. But obviously it's a storyline to cover here on the show today, which we'll talk about uh, in our first hour as well. At eight eight zero five seven six three, our telephone number uh, here on the program. And again, they say it's a low-level marijuana and weapons charge. By the way, I am confused. It how is it unlawful carrying of a weapon? I mean, nowadays it, it, it it's I I don't know. I don't I don't understand how that works. But um, you know, apparently, um, ah, I see. What uh, I see the story, so we'll we'll talk about that in a little bit. I am I'm still trying to understand how the the new Texas law involving uh, handguns and, and guns in general goes right now because it used to be where you couldn't you couldn't buy a gun unless you uh, you know had a permit for it. You had to have uh, essentially a license to carry, and now things are a little different in the last six months, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. There, a lot has changed here in the state of Texas, and uh, I, I'm sure there's still a lot of uh, blurred lines when it comes to this kind of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so we'll. Talk about all that stuff uh, coming up on the program today and uh, try to get into that. In the meantime, let's start with uh, Domingo. He is uh, first up uh, here on a Thursday afternoon. Domingo, what's going on, man? How are you? How are you doing, Cappy? I'm all right, Domingo. What's up with yourself? Well, everything's all good. And I think you already know about what's going on with the war, but I'm going to talk about soccer that involves with Russia. You already know this. You already know for the past two years, the Champions League was supposed to be in Istanbul, but due to COVID, they had to move it twice to Portugal. Now they're going to have to move it again because of this invasion. Yeah. And even and even worse, with the World Cup qualifiers in UEFA that's coming to, to your playoff phase, Russia and Ukraine are in the playoffs, and you know what's going to happen? If, if, I don't want to get too political, but if Russia doesn't clean up itself or if they go more further, I think... I don't know where they're going to move it. I know. I think it was supposed to be in St. Petersburg. Have they even said? Now, I don't think they've stripped them yet, have they? I mean, they were. that was the talk this morning. Has it already gone down, or is that the rumor? No, that's what I heard. They want to take it. they got to move it out. Right? Yeah. Uh, they're going to move it out to St. Petersburg because of, because of this invasion and even though we already know for the past couple of years that when we had, when you know, when we had, we had the Euro, you know, the Euro qualifiers, there was one time that Russia and Ukraine cannot play each other because of the Crimea crisis. And we already have an example that two ways that nations cannot play each other because of political tensions, Armenia and Azerbaijan. Yeah. They can't play each other because, ah, uh, BS. And same thing with Gibraltar and Spain, which is another for someone for different reasons. I'm not going to say it. I just heard about it, but. Damn, I don't know what's going on in the world of soccer. There's going to, we always have, and besides, we have a lot of controversy all well, the time in soccer. Understand this: there is a lot of security issues right now in Europe, um, and and obviously with the Russian military invading Ukraine, that's putting a, a real damper into the sports world and and, and real life because of all the lives that are in jeopardy right now. So, 
if Russia is supposed to be hosting a uh, Champions League final, you, you got to figure that that's going to be off the table. So more than likely, Domingo, they go to they go to London or they go someplace else, uh, someplace where they. I mean, who knows? Maybe it comes to the states. You never know where it's going to be when it's all said and done. That would probably be the most neutral site to put it. Throw it in the United States somewhere. Yeah, you're exactly right, Steve. The one place that they won't have it at is Wembley Stadium in London. They are already booked for the, uh, the EFL, uh, and that's the playoffs that are on the, the same yeah. date. English, so uh, the English Football League playoffs, right. Exactly. So, all right, we will see. So they are looking at alternative venues. And uh, no, but obviously, I would think that if the U.S. was a venue, they would have mentioned it already, right? The chances are the U.S. is not in play for this. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. I, I Bring feel it like... to Jerry's world. Let the, put it in front of 100,000 fans. Yeah, why not? Have them that there, would be awesome. Have everybody travel to Dallas. That's right. Now, the only problem is they don't have uh, natural grass there. Uh, Jerry could buy some grass, right? I'm sure he would accommodate and put an all-natural grass surface in to have a uh, Champions League final at his uh, at his stadium. Yeah, you know what Jerry does when there are canceled or rescheduled events? He jumps at the, any opportunity for something like this. Yeah, no doubt about it. So, all right. Well, thanks for the phone call, Domingo. Appreciate you starting us off uh, here on the program. Now, let me read to you the story that uh, Channel 9 had uh, yesterday. Andrew Litton put this up about uh, Cam Clardy, who uh, last week, according to KTSM, uh, Clardy was arrested on marijuana and weapons charges, according to El Paso Police and KTSM. What they said was Saturday last week around 7.20 at night, he was arrested. Uh, this Actually, this is a week and a half ago, so on the 12th of February, not last Saturday, but the weekend before. Uh, El Paso Police uh, arrested Clardy 7.20 at night, charged him with possession of marijuana under two ounces and unlawful carrying of a weapon. He was booked into the El Paso County Detention Center after midnight, released seven minutes later on a uh, PR bond of $700. Now, according to the court documents, which were obtained by KTSM, Clardy was driving his car on I-10 near Executive when police pulled him over around 7.20 at night for allegedly not having a license plate light. At the time of the traffic stop, Clardy was driving, had a 21-year-old female passenger with him, and uh, officers who met with Clardy asked him if he had any weapons in the car. He told them he had a 9mm handgun inside a fanny pack on the front floorboard of the vehicle. Responding officers allegedly smelled the odor of marijuana, requested assistance from drug-sniffing dogs. During the search, the canine located a small rolled-up joint with green leafy substance inside, according to court documents. When asked about the marijuana joint, Clardy denied it, that it was his, but told officers he'd loaned his car out to friends. Then he told his officers he would take full responsibility for the marijuana. Documents uh, indicate that the uh, weed was field tested and weighed only .05 ounces. The 9mm handgun was loaded with nine bullets, but no round was in the chamber when police tested it. Um, and according to team sources, yes, we know Clardy was held out of the Marshall game the next day, hasn't practiced or traveled with the team since his arrest, wasn't there today. Uh, Joe Golding even said that he's aware of the situation and aware when it happened. He said since that time, Cam has been temporarily suspended from our activities. He didn't suit up in the Marshall game. He didn't go on the previous road trip. We're still gathering information. Obviously, Cam is still a member of our basketball team as we speak. We are still gathering information. We will have a comment later on. So there you go. Uh, District Attorney previously stated she did not intend to seek charges against low-level marijuana offenses such as Clardy's arrest. However, City Council did approve $125,000 for NMS labs to test evidence for low-level marijuana offenses. 
So we'll see. I mean, 0.05 is um, you know about as almost as low as it gets. All right, but you look at everything that happened, and the point is this. Okay, this isn't New Mexico. This is El Paso. Now, marijuana thoughts aside, if you are a basketball player or anybody for that matter in driving in Texas, and you've got any um, marijuana of any of, of any size or any quantity in your vehicle, and you get pulled over, and there's a risk there. You're risking. You're ultimately, for clarity, he's risking an opportunity to be on, to, to stay on the basketball team. And whether you could say it's a, it's a very insignificant amount of pot shouldn't matter and everything else should be very, you know, this it, it should not be a case. Hey, it's still Texas right now. Marijuana is still not legal in this state like it is in other places. So when you're in any kind of a situation like that and something happens... Adrian, there's there's a lot of risk on the on the line, no matter what. Yeah, and let's go back to the weapons real the weapon charge real quick. Texas is a constitutional carry state. Individuals don't have to have a permit to carry a weapon. We all know that. However, the problem is here. Clardy's age and then carrying that handgun while committing a separate crime. That's what makes the possession of his weapon illegal. Uh, he's 20 years old. So I mean, now to be honest with you, if if Clardy was 21, would this be different? I, I believe so. According to this story, that's what it. That's what it. Uh, that's what it hints at. That's okay. right. All right. Well, I mean, it just says his age, but it doesn't say that. You know, had he been a year older, he'd be. It'd be a different situation. But I guess you compound the age of twenty on top of the. It is twenty one. It 21. is twenty one. Got right. you. So then that would be. So that would not be a, an issue here in the state of Texas. But under twenty, under twenty one, it is. So um, I'm interested to see what happens with this particular story. Uh, this doesn't happen very often. I'll, I'll say this. UTEP athletes have done a very, very good job of avoiding potential situations like this over the years. They really have. And when you think about this and, um, you know, whether or not you believe in weed, that really has not, that's not an issue here because some will say it's such an insignificant amount. This shouldn't even be an issue. But the fact is, whether you have .05, whether you have an ounce, whether you have 100 pounds, uh, it's still a crime in, in Texas. It just is. That's just the way it is. Yeah, you're exactly right. And uh, I mean, for, for right now with Cam Clardy, I'm curious to see. He wasn't somebody who was playing a lot off the bench for the minors, although he's somebody who played, uh, you know, in place of the backup point guard. So and now, yeah, the he's minors minutes. Will, yeah, now the minors will go back to using Keza Jifa versus using Cam Clardy as a backup point guard. It's a shame because the kid is a non scholarship player saw significant minutes for the first time in his UTEP career, and it all might be gone after something like this. And that's and that's ultimately the sad part of the whole story. Yeah, and I know that Joe Golding said that he's still on the team right now, but you, you're uh, you're wondering what's going to happen once all, all this is kind of brought to light and we see everything that ends up happening with this story. 17 past the hour as we continue here on Sports Talk. So anyway, that's the story that right now uh, just broke yesterday and – Again, involves uh, one of UTEP's uh, basketball players in Cam Clardy. You want to weigh in on it, 880-5763. That is our telephone number as we started off with Charlie One and get this traffic update. Let's uh, get ready to go here at 22 past the hour as Sports Talk continues. I've never offered my thoughts on weed on the air. I'll give you my marijuana opinion right now, okay? So I've never done that before because, um, you know, it's just the way things are. And this is not, um, you know, my my um, CBD philosophy. I'm just telling you on, on weed in general, okay? Because I went to college at UT, 
right? Early 90s. It's it's not like I haven't been around it. I have. However, that being said, never smoked a joint, never done edibles, never done weed of any kind. Never smoked a cigarette, for that matter. So Wait, you're I've kidding. A cigarette? Never smoked a cigarette. Wow. Which is legal. That's right. I could buy a pack of cigarettes right now. Leave the station, go over to 7-Eleven, go buy myself a pack of cigarettes and light one up. Never done it. So never done uh, marijuana of that matter. So that being said, I do believe that marijuana should be legalized. Absolutely. I am pro-marijuana for tons of reasons. I won't smoke it if it becomes legal. I just personally think that there's enough healing abilities with the uh, plant in general that there are more, way more good things than bad. But that's just me personally, okay? I'm still not going to try it. No interest in it. Never had it, never will. So just so you all understand, I'm all about legalization of marijuana, but I'm not smoking it if it becomes legal. Because I haven't to this point, and if I haven't tried a cigarette, which is totally legal and available for me, why would I even care about trying marijuana? No interest. Zero. That being said, okay, if you know that something is not legal in your city, and your state, and you're doing it, and, and something's there, and you get popped, well, guess what? Unfortunately, you're taking a risk. You really are. You got to be real careful in that situation. So, you know, that's just uh, part of uh, what goes into it. And again, um, you know, 0.05 in all things considered is a very, very low amount of uh, of marijuana. But still, it's not legal here. So whether it's 0.05 or whatever it is, it's still weed. And if you're going to get busted, and sad part is, is it was because of a taillight, but ultimately that's what led to everything. And then you add the, um, the weapons charge on top of that. That's just, it's unfortunate for Cam. Because ultimately... Um, I love underdog stories. I like a kid that comes in as a non-scholarship player who gets playing time and actually was playing fine. I mean, he's not a scoring threat, but he's a distributor, plays defense, gives you what you've got. He's been part of the whole Joe Golding season one uh, you know, minor team. And ultimately, who knows what's going to happen as a result of this. He's a walk-on. So chances are he would never get a scholarship around here because Joe's going to make sure he needs to make sure all of his scholarship players uh, are guys he can rely on and and eventually try to turn this program around to when they can start winning Conference USA championships and and, and hang banners. But still, hardworking kid, gets playing time, and then you hear about a story like this, it's, it's tough. It's tough because you want to see guys like this succeed, yet... When something happens and they're in a bad spot for a variety of reasons, if his story checks out and he lent his car and it was still there, then you know what? You got to look through it and make sure everything is clear when you get into the vehicle and start driving. And if it's not true, then unfortunately you got to be ready for the consequences. That's just that's just part of what goes with it. Yeah, and it's not just the consequences on him. It's the ripple effect that could happen on the rest of the team. They have a huge three-game home stretch, Steve. I mean, they've got UAB this Saturday. Need to be locked in for that game. One of the best teams in Conference USA. Next week they close out the year. Rice on Thursday. North Texas on Saturday. Those are key games right there. You hope this doesn't have a ripple effect on the team and uh, for, for the entire staff and for the, the other players on this team. they got to stay locked in and get ready for uh, Saturday. It's a tough one, though, with this kind of distractions. 100%. 100%. Agree with you on that. I do. 
Um, and then again, maybe it's not a distraction in the sense that, you know, he's not part of the regular rotation. Um, even though, you know, he's been with the team the last couple of years. Uh, it's, this is not Sule Boom. This is not Jamal Biennemi. This is not Keontae Kennedy. This is not Gerald Satterfield. So maybe in that regard, look, distraction in a way, whenever it's a player, it's obviously a distraction. But this team won two out of three road games last week without him. So it's not, I mean, you look at the way I could say distraction. Well, they put up a side, you know, they were able to put it behind them and, and uh, do well on the road trip. But they were on the road. They weren't, ba- they weren't back here at home. True, they, they weren't true. See, they weren't here where they could see him. You know, you don't know who he's rooming with or things like that. So, I mean, it, it, there's a lot of things that could factor into this one. Maybe the fact that they were on the road allowed them to kind of leave that behind now that they're back here. You know, they're facing this right here, right in front of them. Now that the news is out hey maybe pe- more people are talking about this one as well what's your take give me your thoughts on the whole thing yeah I think it's tough because uh yeah, on one side you on one side you want to be pro player and you want to say hey you know these players uh, should have whatever but no you you have there's rules in place Steve rules in place for certain reasons and hey there's there are consequences if you don't uh if you don't fulfill those kinds of things so if you're uh, if you fall short on some of those things right there Steve you have to be reprimanded and I understand the rules are in place for a reason well, hopefully, uh, you know, look, there's others that have made mistakes before and had second and third chances, and they made the most of them. So hopefully, for clarity, uh, understands what happened, and he'll have another opportunity. He'll get a second chance, and he'll be able to make the most of it. That's all. Yeah, maybe Again, we're talking in the summer about these charges being dismissed. Maybe. Maybe we're talking about him could being be. dismissed, and he rejoins the team in the summer. Could be. Very well could be. All right, 28 past, 880 that's our telephone number as we continue here on Sports Talk. Tomorrow, Tascosa is going to be playing Japen without K.J. Lewis. Spoke to a lot of people about the K.J. Lewis story. A lot of people. And by the way, after some of the conversations I've had over the last 24 hours to 48 hours, I believe just based on who I've spoken to and, and what they've told me, um, K.J. did enough to warrant the double technical. Okay, It wasn't unfair. It was justified. And he apologized for it. So who knows? Maybe he reached, uh, you know, maybe he was uh, beyond his uh, beyond his boiling point, blew off some steam in the wrong, wrong wrong place, wrong time. Look, there's a lot of ways you could look at this. You could blame KJ for losing his cool to the officials. You could blame Rodney Lewis for keeping KJ out there in the fourth quarter with four minutes left in a 20-point game. Or you could just say, hey, you know what? KJ's got to be smarter than that. Not let ultimately his emotions get the best of him. All that's all that's all that's very much in play. All of it. The fact remains that if Chapin doesn't beat Tesco tomorrow, and they should, but if they don't, this could be this could be KJ Lewis's last ever high school game in El Paso, and that to me is a really really tough thing. That's a tough thing for a lot of people here to swallow. And I, I think when you look at Tuscosa, the way that Chapin's played all year long, they haven't had to rely on KJ this year like they have in years past. They've got some good players around him. Uh, I really like An- Antoine Holmes, who's on Chapin. They've got some other really good players and pieces on that team. So if they're able to win that game t- uh, tomorrow, if they're able to advance, then that that could be almost kind of like a, a learning point for KJ Lewis moving forward. You know, uh, he even apologized on his own side. 
social media. Yep. I get it, Steve. Uh, and, and I think it's really uh, mature of him to take ownership. He's just a junior in high school, 17 years old. This is uh, a very mature thing for him to do, get in front of this and apologize. Is it also true that if uh, Andrus and Chapin win, they would play in the next round against each other here in El Paso? Yes, that's what I heard, too, because they're on the same side of the bracket. And I have to do some double check, but I've heard that on, on my side. So got to double check, but that that's uh, it, it would indicate that. All right, I'm going to look on my end, too, see if we can find that out. Uh, but that would also be a, a great storyline. You imagine? If they end up getting a chance to That'd play each other. awesome. I mean, just because they had such a great game earlier this year, because of all that's happened off the court this year uh, with the late legend uh, Jim Forbes and everything like that, and the way that the both teams uh, bonded together and honored him. Uh, yeah, there's so much If there's so much uh, to talk about if those two teams take on each other in the next round. 880-5763. That is our telephone number. Let's go first right now to Adrian. He's standing by and has this bottom of the hour Sports Center update. All right, Adrian, thank you very much as we continue here on Sports Talk. It looks to me, it's a little, okay, here's what I see looking at Max Preps in the bracket, okay? Chapin plays Tescosa. Parkland plays Paladuro. The winner of the Parkland-Paladuro game will meet the winner of the Chapin-Tescosa game. Man, that is an awesome matchup if that were to be the case. The Matadors have a strong team this year. They won uh, thanks to some free throws by Tyrone McDuffie the third uh, in the final seconds of that Burgess by district game. So that would be an awesome matchup right there. If Andrus beats Randall and Kenya Tio beats Amarillo, you would have Kenya Tio uh, and Andrus meet in the regional quarterfinal. And those are tough teams for both those teams to take on. Andrus and Kenya Tio, they've got some tough opponents this week. That would be an awesome matchup, but it's going to be a tough task to get there. Sure is. Sure is. So, um, Amarillo, Kenya Tio, and Randall and Andrus will be playing. And then on the flip side, Chapin Tascosa, which I believe is tomorrow at 5 o'clock. Okay? Chapin Tascosa, 5 o'clock tomorrow, and Parkland Paladuro tomorrow at 3.30. Okay, sounds good to me. I, well, I mean, this, this some those are some great matchups right there, Steve. I also look toward America's. I know we're talking 5A, but I look at America's in the 6A rank. They have a great team this year. So I'm curious to see how they end up doing tomorrow as well. I, I think it's out there Midland. I think so, too. Um, yeah, I'm looking at, you know, I don't believe there's any games locally this week, right? Everything is pretty much out of town. That's right, yes. Everything's out of town. All right, that's what I thought. Um, it, it's funny, too, because in the old days, everything was on... Um, the UAL website. Now it's all on Max Preps. Everything playoff-wise is now hosted on MaxPreps.com. In fact, the UAL website's officially worthless because they have nothing other than empty brackets on their website where they used to fill it in on a regular basis. Now they just farm it out to Max Preps and don't even have to worry about anything. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm totally with you. You have to go through all the different uh, uh, brackets on UIL. You get to see who will play who. Uh, I'm looking at it right now. The Trailblazers, who, by the way, Steve, best team in 6A, 33-2 and on the year. What a great season for the Trailblazers. They take on Byron Nelson tomorrow. Uh, they are 24-9. and That one tips off at 4 o'clock. Uh, and they, they are coming off a big victory against San Angelo Central, 43-38. Yep. So good job for uh, Americas. I want to throw one more thing about the K.J. Lewis story out because I've 
talked to some people, and they've told me that if he moves to a bigger city with better teams, he's not going to um, perform as well. And I'm thinking to myself, the only reason KJ is a prospect is because he went to all of these national AAU and Peach Jam tournaments, went up against the best players uh, his age in the country, and performed so well in those tournaments that he got himself on the map. So for people that think that if he leaves El Paso, he's not going to be dominating anymore, it's crazy. If anything... I think he'll up his game because suddenly he'll start to see better competition in high school going up on a regular basis, and that'll just put his game up. But understand, the only reason K.J. Lewis is the top 25 to 50 overall prospect in the class of 2023 and has a ton of of, uh, high major offers is because of what he does in the summer. When he leaves, goes, plays in the biggest showcases in the country, and has done so well for himself that he's up to stock. That's why K.J. Lewis is such a big-time basketball prospect. Not because of anything he's done here locally. It's exactly the opposite. It's from what he's done when he's left El Paso and competing in all those high school showcases. Yeah, remember last year when uh, the season uh, ended, K.J. Lewis bolted immediately to play with his AAU team out in the Metroplex. So yep. He was traveling nonstop. He has he is no stranger to traveling and playing basketball out of the city. That's where he got known. That's how Rivals and 247 Sports started doing features on him. He started getting featured on different prospect websites and started uh, growing his own brand. When he comes back to El Paso, Steve, that might even devalue. There's an argument that that could devalue his brand and and you know his overall expertise. Let's be honest. And it's true. It is true, and it's not a knock against El Paso. It's just it's not the highest level of competition you're going to face in the state, let alone out of the state. So that's 100 correct. And you know, it's I've I've got a lot of theories on on basketball, by the way, when it comes to sports locally. And and I'm just going to throw one at you right now. Okay, if this city had a complex with six to ten courts that could host tournaments from outside the city and around the country. And ultimately, there were so many courts where kids could play basketball and get the quality of coaching, development, gameplay, all the stuff they need as they get older. Don't tell me we wouldn't have better quality of basketball in El Paso. We would have terrific quality of basketball in El Paso, which takes me back to the 2012 quality of life bond issue. They got it right except for one thing. They didn't think enough about the kids and sports to put in their facilities for all big sports. We've got the soccer complex in Canutillo, but we don't have a soccer complex like that on the east side. We have no baseball complexes outside of really the, the sports park in Zaragoza. Nothing, and that's, and, and that's limited. There's only so much you could do with those fields. You don't have one on the west side, and you don't have one in northeast. You sure as heck don't have basketball and volleyball complexes for kids around this town to play in. I mean, if you really wanted to make the investment that you needed to for the city, why did you not do what Pecos and all these other little small towns have done, and that is build these gorgeous multi-field and multi-core complexes to give the kids an opportunity to play, host tournaments, make money with tourism, travel. I absolutely, for the life of me, can't figure out how El Paso is so behind the eight ball in this, and yet... We talk about all the other investments they want to make. They, they, they suck millions into a trolley, 
but we don't have enough fields for kids to play on. Yeah, and courts a, to play on. It's a it's a true shame, Steve. It, and really, it it hurts the development of y- local youth members here in El Paso because we don't have the resources that other big cities have, and we've outgrown our current resources. That's the bottom line. There's so much mm. good local talent here that we've exhausted what resources we have. Minor Joe just tweeted out fourteen thousand Montwood huge soccer complex. Good, Minor Joe. Good to know soccer's in good shape. Okay, now we know soccer's okay in El Paso. Because they've got the Kenya Teo complex, they get the Montwood complex. All right? So let's cross soccer off the list. They don't need anything else for soccer. Soccer's good here. Baseball, basketball, volleyball. There's plenty of sports. Plenty of sports that don't have the facilities that they need. And that's a shame. It's an absolute shame. Because when you look at high school basketball, you always say to yourself, man, if we had... More facilities, better training, um, tournaments coming into town all the time. What would high school basketball look like now compared to what it could look like if it had all of those facilities at their disposal? Yeah, it'd be a lot better than what it is right now. We would see a lot more Division One schools come to town and look at some of these athletes, offer them. And, you know, you see how football has grown in this city just in terms of exposure. It should be like that for every sport. And I, I think even football could be doing better as well, Steve. Maybe one of these days the city will invest in the kids the way they need to when it comes to athletics. I really hope that's the case. Because if they do, they'll see the benefits. Not just locally, but in all the dollars that will come as far as sports tourism and hotel and rental car and everything else that goes to play with that. So I hope it happens one of these days. Sooner rather than later. All right. 41 passed. I'm off my soapbox. Come back with more. Sports Talk continues. 600 ESPN El Paso. Good to hear from our friends at X-1 as we continue here on Sports Talk. David and Christian, if you're out there. We'll love some new music in 2022 from the two of you. That'll be great. Um, I've got one call to get to. Two lines are open for business. 880-5763. That's our telephone number. Sorry about my soapbox, folks, but, man, when it comes to youth sports in El Paso, I just wish we had better facilities for the kids. I really do. Happy we have what we have, but it could be so much better. So, so, so much better. Honestly. You know, and that's the hardest part about it is I just wish we had uh, some more for them. All right, let's go to Craig. He joins us next on the lines right now, 10 in front of 5 here on a Thursday. How you doing, Craig? Fine. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thanks for the phone call. Appreciate it. Good. I was just uh, chiming in on the reference of uh, K.J. Lewis and how he has been played and kind of, I want to say the word, hated on based on his achievements. You know, as far as I know, he's a good kid, doesn't get in any trouble, none of this. But as you've seen over the year, over this year, he has been injured on flagrant fouls and put out the game four times this year. Including a concussion, Craig. Including a concussion. That's you know, correct. A lot of people were criticizing, you know, all this. But like I said, the official play here sometimes is not the same as it is in major metropolitan cities. I'll give you an example. I'm originally from Philadelphia by way of Los Angeles. Um, I went to Fairfax High School, which is the last 20, 30 years has been probably the top 100 in the nation. Yep, I'm familiar with Fairfax. Go ahead. And so um, the level of competition is totally different, and also the referee play is a little bit different. You know, so what I what I want to say about that is that I think a lot of the stuff, he's got a bad rap for no reason. Um 
Me personally, I believe that if his last name was his mother's surname, which is Ramirez, you wouldn't even hear enough about this stuff. So if he was K.J. Ramirez instead of K.J. Lewis, I think it would have been a totally different story. But as far as um, him playing or whatever, he's an awesome kid. He does his thing. Like you said, he's on the circuit um, 24-7 as far as out of here, and he gives El Paso a great name. But as far as, far as what happened this past week, I think it could have been handled a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. But um, at the same time, it's like it's, it's been a constant battle with the officials uh, against him most of the year. Okay? So that's just my opinion. But as far as that, like you said, as far as the complexes here, um, yes. If we had a complex like we do for soccer and other sports here, definitely the level would come up of competition would rise, okay? Because most of these kids who are successful here play on some type of AAU team that travels. So in order for, in order for you to get your name out, you must travel and do the AAU route to get this. And he's done that very well. So with that being said, yes, we need a complex. Um, um, I officiate during the, the summers in Dallas and Vegas, and I do these uh, a major AAU tournaments, Nike's, Adidas, Reebok. And last summer I went to Dallas, and literally there were at least six major tournaments going on at one time every weekend. Every weekend. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Oh, I know. These I know. Trust me. I mean, it's so my brother lives in Southern California um, in uh, Newberry Park. I don't know if you know where that is, but um, Mm -hmm. he lives actually five minutes from the Mamba Sports Academy, which has a new name now. I I forget what it's now known as, but it was actually where uh, Kobe was heading when the helicopter went down for a tournament that afternoon. So he goes there and he and he and and his kid, he's got an um, I think he's now 11 or 12 playing ball. And uh, gave me a, a shot, a video of what that complex looks like. And, I mean, it was perfect. Ten courts. They've got places for, t- for the fans to sit. But there's games going on all times. They host tournaments. I mean, no wonder there's such good co- uh, you know, basketball being played, youth basketball in California. You've got facilities for it. And, Craig, I'm just telling you, if they, if they had the right facilities in El Paso, it could absolutely be a game changer for kids playing ball here so that when they do get to the high school level, they have, a, they have a chance to be so much better because they've had better facilities, better training, and they've had better tournaments that they get to play in their own backyard. That's correct. Uh, I don't know if you remember this. I used to have a girls' AAU team that basically won the beginning in the early uh, 2000s. And we basically started traveling. So I took the same formula that was given to me as a youth because we traveled all over. I played basketball, mm-hmm. football, and track. And we were always on the circuit, you know. So constantly getting the best competition in your neighborhood, you know, in L.A. and pretty much California, Arizona. So it's a constant thing here. So before I did that with my girls' team, we weren't, you know, there weren't there weren't a lot of people coming to El Paso to get Division One players. So got Kiara Clark, Kayla Thornton, um, a couple other players on my team, Nicole Lennon. All these girls end up going to playing uh, college ball and um, being very successful. So in order for us to do that, we need to do the same thing here. And I'm actually planning on actually trying to do the same thing here and getting another tournament, another certified tournament back in El Paso, like the Southwest Shootout or the um, other ones that had the Battle of the Border. So those type of tournaments in El Paso, we had a complex would be um, tremendous. Reason being, because I don't know if you know what the, when the 
when the signing period is, um, is between July 1st and August 1st. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's when all the college coaches come out and see. So we had an actual tournament here, even if it's not an NCAA tournament, a, a tune-up tournament for all the kids who are going to, you know, going to the major tournaments in Dallas and other places. Yeah. It, it, it does tremendous. So Absolutely. That I mean, that yep. they, they definitely all um, flourished in, in front of the competition. And at that particular time, my team ended up beating the number one team in the nation. At the time, we had the number one girl went to Connecticut. We beat them. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And it turned in Dallas. So definitely the complex is there. I went to Dallas last, and they have four major complexes in the city, four, that are at least 20 the courts or more. I'll, um, I'll take like one that's got 10. How's that, Craig? Give me one. Give me yeah. one with 10. So, you know. I mean, <laughs> yeah, so if we have that here, if anybody uh, would like to go ahead and build a complex, I guarantee <laughs> there it you would go. Be definitely used. You ever you see know, the movie Field? You ever see the movie Field of Dreams, Craig? I have. If you build it, they will come. Exactly. As soon as that's absolutely good stuff. Thanks for the phone call. Appreciate you getting in. Appreciate it. We'll come back. Hour two next. Sports talk continues. Six hundred ESPN El Paso. Welcome back, everybody. Start of hour number two here on Sports Talk. Along with Adrian Broadus, I'm Steve Kaplowitz. Excited about our next guest who joins us live uh, as uh, we get ready for a big event this Sunday here in El Paso. In fact, it's going to be happening out at the County Coliseum. And uh, it's a good one, folks. In fact, this is the Eddie Bravo Invitational, the U.S. Open Qualifier which will start up 6 o'clock on Sunday, and uh, we've got uh, not just uh, an El Paso Juarez native, but we've got the uh, voice of UFC in Spanish on with us right now. And uh, when I was talking to him during the break, I found out we went to Coronado together. It's amazing how you come full circle with uh, Victor Davila, who you can follow on uh, Twitter, by the way, at MasterVic, the number 10. That's at MasterVic, the number 10. Victor, welcome to Sports Talk. Good to have you on the show today. How you doing? Steve, small world, my friend, right? Very small world, Vic. It's crazy, but that's just the way it is, right? That's exactly. Um and I'm excited because you're helping to put on a big event here um, on Sunday that really is uh, you know, a U.S. Open qualifier for jiu-jitsu, which is something that's near and dear to your heart, but ultimately an opportunity to really uh, help build this up in El Paso. Am I correct? Exactly. You're right. This is just the first step uh, for us to bring more high-level grappling to El Paso. The Eddie Rubin National is a show that has uh, air on USC Five Pass with the highest ratings. Okay, so we stopped doing that brand back in 2018, and the brand is back now. The fans are requesting for this, and I feel really proud to bring this kind of events to El Paso, Texas. You know, I guess uh, there's a big community of Jiu-Jitsu in El Paso, and uh, it's a good time. After the pandemic, we stopped doing shows, but now it's getting restarted, and uh, the first show is going to be this Sunday at the Coliseum. Now, Eddie Bravo is a jiu-jitsu master. He is the founder of the Eddie Bravo Invitational and the 10th Planet Jiu-Jitsu. Um, tell me how you've had a chance to get to know Eddie Bravo over the years. Well, actually, I have been working for the UFC for 15 years, and I met Eddie in 2007. He used to work for the UFC, too. So we became really good friends back then. Uh, I went to train with him and he kicked my, well, he smashed me, you know, really bad. And then since then, we became really good friends. 
I'm a black belt under Eddie Bravo. I'm a black belt third degree. And he's coming actually this Saturday. Eddie Bravo is arriving on Saturday together with My Beltran. My Beltran is going to be refereeing the fights, you know, and, and it's an honor to bring the master Eddie Bravo to El Paso to check out the highest level of grappling we bring in today. If you've never had a chance to see a uh, jiu-jitsu qualifier like what we're going to get on Sunday in El Paso, how do you describe it? Uh, this is a really exciting tournament, you know. This is the rules that Eddie Bravo came with uh, together with myself some years ago, and the people really love it. Even, but even the people that doesn't know what jiu-jitsu is, once they see the EVI, they fall in love with the sport because there's a lot of action, you know. There's no punches, there's no kick, kicks. This is more like grappling, just jiu-jitsu. But uh, this is definitely a good product. There's no judges, there's no points, no advantages. The winner of the qualifier can win a uh, possible $20,000. Wow. So it's a, it's a really good tournament. Now, the doors open at 5 o'clock on Sunday. Show starts at 6 at the Coliseum. You can get tickets at the Coliseum box office or online at universe.com. That's universe.com. Tickets start as low as 10 bucks, by the way, folks, for general admission. And if you want to sit on the floor, the uh, highest price seats are 40 bucks. So a good way to enjoy what would be a great night of entertainment on Sunday. And for yourself, being a native here at the borderland, is this something that you've been wanting to do for a while, uh, really, Vic? And that is kind of bring the MMA UFC aspect here to this area? That's correct. Actually, I was speaking with Eddie Bravo. This is, we just one step behind of the highest production that can be like a official EBI or Combat Jiu-Jitsu World event. So once he gets here and sees the, the venue, the Coliseum, and all the things that El Paso can offer, I'm pretty sure that 2022nd is going to be a good year for El Paso for this scene because, listen, the UFC 5 pass uh, feed goes to 185 countries. So we want to show what El Paso is all about and that we have uh, good people, we have good community supporting the sports. And uh, Steve, thank you so much, man. I really feel happy about you know, speaking with someone that went to Coronado back in the 90s with me. I'm telling you, Master Vic is with us right now. Victor Davila, folks, uh, who is, as he mentioned, a 10th Planet Jiu-Jitsu third-degree black belt under Eddie Bravo. He's also a promoter, producer. He's the voice of UFC Mexico. How'd you get started in that 15 years ago? Tell me the story behind that. Well, I was born and raised in Juarez. I was a little bit of a, you know, problem child. Until I found uh, martial arts. For me, martial arts saved my life. The mixed martial arts and the Jiu-Jitsu changed my life totally. And now I'm giving like uh, classes, seminars, pretty much all around the world. And I have a lot of passion to teaching the sport, but also promoting the sport because it's a really fun sport. It's really, it gives you confidence in the topic of the self-defense. It's really good for kids, for adults, for everybody to practice it. So. I just want to bring it to my community. After working for the UFC and all the contacts that I have, I want to do my best to bring this uh, the highest level and good shows to El Paso. Hey, Vic, I know how big UFC is around the country. What's it like in Mexico? How about its popularity of the UFC uh, sport just in the country of Mexico? It became a chain reaction. You know, when Brandon Moreno won the UFC title, I know he just lost it recently, but it's huge community, you know. The MMA is going on a giant steps, and this could lead the grappling that Jiu-Jitsu is behind because the people are recognizing now MMA and Jiu-Jitsu as like a martial arts. They understand the difference between both of them, which is good for us as a promoters, as a practitioners of the sport, because before it was really difficult to get any kind of support for MMA or Jiu-Jitsu. 
when you broadcast um, UFC pay-per-views like 270, which you had back uh, last month, where in Mexico is that televised? Well, they go through Fox Sports. You know, right now there's a lot of platforms. I work straight for UFC, and we are ESPN Plus, ESPN Deportes. In Mexico, they go to another platform, Estrella TV, and the Five Pass now is going to Latin America and Spain. Wow. In Spanish. So now our boys, my boys and my partners, is, is going everywhere, uh, giving the sport to everybody else. Could you ever see a time here in the future, hopefully the near future, where we could see a UFC event um, in El Paso? I can see it. You know, before it was like a beyond impossible because of the logistics. By now, I've seen, you know, shows in the smaller towns, you know, closer to El Paso. Just went, they just went to Arizona, you know. So I don't see it like I want to be a believer and want to put my two cents and take this content to the UFC and let it know what's going on in El Paso. I'm pretty sure if they bring a UFC fight night, we can sold out in one day. Absolutely. There's no doubt about it. You bring a UFC show to El Paso, it will sell out in one day. And it's just a matter of giving the uh, promoters the opportunity to, to try it out here and realize what it's capable of. But meanwhile, the event Sunday, the U.S. Open qualifier, this is uh, something that will eventually give some the winners from the U.S. a chance to compete in uh, Cancun, correct? That's correct. The winner of this U.S. Open qualifier uh, wins a spot on the official EDI 19 show which is going to be on March the 13th in Cancun. So we opened the, this uh, registration and received almost 100 guys, competitors, trying to get it. So we have like 12 black belts and four brown belts. Eddie Bravo chose the best 16. So let's see. We're trying to create big stars, and that big star is going to be born in, in El Paso, Texas. Man, oh, man. It sounds like it's going to be fun. As far as the um, the ring they're going to be competing in, what will that be on Sunday? This is like 30 by 30 mat competition area. All submissions are legal. We have a big screen with replay. We have a really good content with videos and some uh, evergreens of UFC Five Pass inviting the people to subscribe. So I really want to invite all the communities from Juarez, El Paso, Las Cruces, to come and enjoy this show on Sunday, the 27th. Doors yep. open 5 p.m. We start tournament 6 p.m. I want to see you there, Steve. All right. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough, Vic. Uh, tickets available online, universe.com or the County Coliseum box office. They start as low as 10 bucks for general admission. You want to sit on the floor, that's uh, just $40. A great way to do it this Sunday and, and watch this competition. And it sounds to me, Vic, that if this event does well, and the uh, EBI 19 U.S. Open qualifier at the barn draws a nice big crowd. It's a really good, good indicator of what this community is going to want as far as future MMA events here in El Paso. Totally. You know, the ticket sales already are telling us, you know, the, the response of the people. So now we're bringing another brand that is called the Master Big Challenge. And we're trying to bring as much content as possible. So thank you, El Paso, for the support. And see you guys on Sunday. Don't miss this. Nice job, Vic. Appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us, and uh, we'll look forward to seeing you Sunday. Thank you so much, Steve. Victor Davila, folks. Uh, Master Vic, as we continue here on Sports Talk. Man, small world. Went to Coronado together. He was a year behind me, but he's only about uh, five, six months younger. So crazy enough to think that uh, Victor Davila, a T-bird, who has been the Spanish voice of UFC 
for the last 15 years. How wild is that, Adrian? Yeah, it just shows you that you could go anywhere across the universe and uh, somehow you'll find an El Paso tie to somebody. And now it's a high school Coronado tie with you. It is. It It is. We got to catch up and, uh, you know, recap the last 30 plus years since we've both been there. All right. 14 past the hour as we continue. Let's go to Charlie One with traffic. Then Jeff Erickson going to come up next as Sports Talk continues right here on 600 ESPN El Paso. Back on Sports Talk 19 past the hour as we welcome back to the show Jeff Erickson from rotowire.com. You can follow him on Twitter at Jeff underscore Erickson. Check out his work at rotowire.com. You know, it'd be really nice if we had a season going right now so we could be talking about spring training and pitchers and catchers reporting and games starting later this week. But uh, that's not the case. And in in the next four days, we're going to find out the season's even going to start on time. Yeah, and every day seems a little bit more ominous too. Yep, hundred um, percent. I, I, my my opinion hasn't changed that much. The owners aren't trying. Um, I feel like this is the owner imposed lockout, and they're just trying. I mean, if you look at the details of the CBT offer in and of itself, that alone, they're trying to go backwards from the previous collective bargaining agreement. Not not trying to give. You know, they're not conceding anything to the players. And then I I think they're trying to set themselves up for an impasse, but I I, I agree. So let's, 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 let's just foreshadow that. Okay. Let's say in four days, there's an impasse. Then what? Well, okay. An impasse has to be declared by a judge though. They can't just say I declare impasse. Right. Um, and that's the thing that gets lost in this. And it requires good faith, uh, multiple attempts, multiple good faith attempts. And I don't see that right now. And, Thing is, it doesn't matter where I, whether I see it, whether Eugene Friedman, a really good uh, labor uh, uh, labor lawyer who is on Twitter, has dealt a lot with the, the base, talks a lot about the, the the strike. Whether it's Bill James or Jim Bowden or anybody else, it has to be a judge that you know kind of get comes to that conclusion. That's what happened in '94. That that's what had to happen to end this uh, end it last time, where they where uh, Sotomayor ruled that the owners were acting in bad faith and. You know, I think the owners want to impose what they want to impose, but I, I, I don't know if that's going to work. We'll see, uh, and maybe I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong, but I really, I, I, I can't see what they want otherwise, other than just like complete uh, a, a de facto hard salary cap. Yeah, I'm with you on that, which I don't think you know is going to happen. They're so far apart, and there's been very little progress, if anything, made so far. Which, which is what worries me so much right now. That's why that's why I'm 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 concerned that uh, you know we, we're going to probably not see the season start on time. In fact, yeah. in fact, I, you know we always go to we always go to Arizona in, um, in in March, and part of the fun during spring break is to go watch games. There might be nothing to watch this time around. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, and we'll see. I mean, Monday is the self-declared deadline by the owners um, to if they're going to, you know, postpone or not postpone but cancel games. Uh, and they they're trying to draw that hard line in the sand too. I, I mean, the fact that they're saying that and they're saying there's no way we'll make them up and we're not going to pay you for games you don't play. I mean, it's they're taking the hard line stance again, and everything they've done has pointed towards that. So everything for the last five years has pointed towards that, and that's the thing that drives me crazy. But, you know, um, so the best we do, you know, I did a big draft this week, and hopefully it, it plays out, and the best we can do is hope that they get it right. I mean, the, the, the problem is there's really, you know, it, it's tough being powerless in this situation. We want to feel like we have some agency, but we 
don't really. And I know there's been attempts at attempt like organizing a fan union or things like that, but I, I don't think that's going to move the needle at all. There's one thing maybe that might make the owners feel a little bit is anybody who subscribes for subscribes to uh, the MLB.com's package that auto renews on uh, March 1st. Ooh. If you want to cancel that before that, make sure they don't have the float, don't have more money in their in their pockets. You could consider that. Yeah, but you know what's going to happen, right? When it gets settled, Rob Manfred's going to give you the season for free as a thank you to baseball fans and all that, and then try to keep the goodwill by giving you the, the package for well, free. That's fine. For you. you know, once it's done, you know, they get a deal done fine. I just don't want them to have the float. I don't want them to have that have my money while they're, they're not providing any product. Yeah, it's a good point. Good point. So that's good. That's just, yeah, you know what? But that's part of the problem, isn't it? That if fans would stop buying the packages, stop uh, buying the gear and the merch and, and, and stop supporting the teams and, and hit the owners a little harder in their wallets, then they might not be trying to jerk this around as much as they are right now. Yeah, and I understand and I appreciate that not everybody sees it my way. Um, and that's fine, too. Uh, but I, I just, that, that everything I've read, I've spent a lot of time in this, and my, obviously my business depends on it. Uh, you know, and part of having a baseball season, that's my read in the entire situation there. Yeah, I got you. I got you. Um, all I know is, hey, I'm still, you know, our fantasy drafts are still going on. We're still dealing with our off seasons and our dynasty leagues where we always do, even though there's no baseball right now, because there's still enough material out there as far as prep, all the stuff you've got on your sites and everything else that's been out there to at least get, uh, you know, get, get fans revved up for the season. But it is going to leave a bad taste in a lot of mouths if, uh, this, if, if we lose part of the season. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, especially after what happened in 2020. Um, I, I think that's fresh on a lot of people's minds. Uh, you know, there is a segment of the ba- of baseball fandom that never came back after '94. You know, and you know that if we lose a big chunk of this season, I'm sure the same will happen. And there's more more things than ever competing for our attention. You know, and you know maybe I'll become a big USFL fan. Who knows? <laughs> you know, uh, we'll start covering that in depth. Um, you know. The show must go on. Some some show must go on. That's right. Um, so we'll see. Do we have USFL content up at uh, rotowire.com? I think we will, uh, as long as there's a game. I, I, I've, I think we're waiting, trying to read the tea leaves a little bit in terms of, like, who's going to uh, provide, like, a fantasy game for it. Uh, as if there's that market, then we're going to want to we'll, – we'll fill it. Basically, if, if DraftKings and or FanDuel have a game, we'll almost certainly – have coverage for it or some you know another game game platform has a game for it i'll tell you what is very interesting right now there are uh there they might not be the big names but there are plenty of guys with big league experience that are signing with indie ball clubs right now and also in josh reddick's case the mexican league yeah i just saw that uh well keep in mind too there's fewer affiliated minor league teams now when they eliminated 42 teams uh, a year ago uh, that that's fewer outlets for places players to sign, and if you're not in a fort, on a forty man roster right now, you're free to sign with any any other uh, independent team. And you know, funny thing is, minor league teams are going to be starting on time. Uh, KBO, the you know J- Japanese baseball leagues, they're all starting on time now. They've got their rosters firmed up already, but you never know; things, other things can change too. It's very true, uh, but I do find it interesting that you know rather go play pro ball in Mexico if you're Josh Reddick than try to get a minor league deal uh, with a big league team. So that that kind of tells you at least where where he is right now. Yeah, yeah, um, he just wants to play ball, and it probably you know I guess the canary in the coal mine should have been when Buster Posey uh, and Kyle Seager retired. 
uh, rather than deal with all of this, too. That's a good point. That's exactly right. And uh, ultimately, uh, and that's another issue right now. So there's still plenty of teams that have started their minor league camps at this point. They started last week, actually, uh, yep. whether it's mini camps or, or the regular camps. And, and yet, media are locked out and fans are locked out. Now, if I'm Major League Baseball, and ultimately, um, I'm involved in a bitter labor dispute. Wouldn't you want to give fans access to at least watch guys working out in their club's uniforms, even if they're minor leaguers, as opposed to just keeping the fans out of everything right now out in Arizona and Florida? Yeah, absolutely. And we're getting a little bit of news trickling in and out here and there, injury news. It's, most of it's not good. Josh Young on the <laughs> Rangers, obviously losing him for six six to eight months with that shoulder injury. That's one thing we found out. But yeah, you would think so. Although right now there's not much, not not a whole lot to see for fans. They're just workouts right now. Uh, you know, the minor league spring training season usually starts mid March. They usually start later, so that's something to watch for too. So, but that's supposed to be running on time. So, who knows? Maybe when that happens, I think uh, maybe you know, media and and or fans will be allowed in for that. Hopefully by then we'll at least have a settlement. I, I'm still hoping against hope, Steve. I am too. So as you draft leagues right now and you, you get yourself set up for, for the uh, baseball season, since guys haven't even reported yet and, and there's still plenty of guys that are unsigned as free agents, how do you go about these drafts that are still in February or March and haven't shifted over? You know, a couple of things. Uh, one, um, you know, you try to prioritize guys that do have jobs. I think a little bit more, uh, maybe especially with closers, scarce categories. You start to look at that a little bit more, I, especially like I've done a couple leagues that don't have free agent pickups. So, you know, draft and hold leagues, we like to call those. Um, the NFBC has some, Fantrax has some, RT Sports has some, and where there you usually draft fifty rounds. You don't have any free agent pickups. It's all you have to do is set rosters during the season. There's something to be said for that, um, and it's a good way for me to prep for my other leagues. But it's also something. You know, that, that helps me kind of get to know the player pool, battle test my rankings and projections, get a better idea of, okay, when I'm put on, put on the clock and I have to make a pick, am I actually taking the guy that's highest in my queue or do I want someone else, you know, at that position? Uh, so it, it tests with that. But, you know, it's harder when there's a lot of things, uh, a lot of job battles undetermined. Like the Dodgers closing job is a really tough one because Kenley Jansen could re-sign with the Dodgers. They could get somebody else or it could be Blake Trinan as the, the top guy that's in on the team already and that's a huge value swing right there it uh, is. And, and that's something you have so i i try to avoid being put to the test on those sort of decisions brusder gratterall was supposed to be the closer in waiting and he hasn't developed like they needed to yet to really be in that conversation right now yeah he ha- he hasn't plus they they're just so deep too they yeah. have so many other pitchers that they could turn to and it might not be trying and that's the other thing that that's that's one of the other things with you know as we think that uh, you know, we know who the next guy in line is, but teams haven't. The Dodgers haven't said that. They just used him in that role as the next in line behind Kenley last year. Uh, and there, that's that's a, that's. There's other teams that are even less obvious on uh, that who the closer is going to be. The San Diego Padres, for instance. Uh, there's a whole cast of guys that could possibly get the job. Bottom of the hour as we continue here with uh, Jeff Erickson from rotowire.com. If you've got any questions, send them our way at 600 ESPN El Paso. But right now, back to Adrian, middle of the show, which means another bottom of the hour Sports Center update. Did you say Sean McVay? Yeah. Isn't he the head coach of the Rams? Yeah. 
And and he's up for an analyst job? No, 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 no. The, earlier in the story I said, though head coach Sean McVay has said he's going to continue as a head coach on the sideline, Amazon is going to make a serious run at him. Interesting. All right, why not? That's kind of fun. Boy, that's more... It's you a know, New York Post right here. NFL, so. uh, NFL offseason broadcast news sounds a lot more promising than uh, baseball labor dispute news, right? It does. It just, it's crazy. Remember how much we're like, oh, Tony Romo as an analyst? I mean, and then, that hey, that turned out okay, actually. Okay. So, I'm with you. I'm with you. By the way, what are your, what are your guess, thoughts right? on Aikman leaving for ESPN? You know, I, I'm one of the, you know, you know it, it, the older I get, the more, the, the less I like change. But then, you know, I think that's just probably a function of, like, I just like certain things a certain way. But, you know, it might work out. You know, I, I've gotten to like Aikman more lately than I did earlier in his broadcasting career. I think he's gotten better or maybe my taste of a line more with him. But I, I actually... I wish he were a little bit more open-minded, like analytical thought, but yeah. like like analytics, I should say, not analytical thought. He's he's very analytical, but uh, just like like some of like the fourth down sort of things and when to go for two and all that. He'll like he'll say things like, "I know what the math says, this is right," and but I just don't like it. You know, it's like, okay, well that's fine, but why? You know, I would I, I I wish he'd make a better case against that, but. Still, I like him better than a lot of the analysts out there. I, I've really grown to like what he and Joe Buck do together. I'm with you on that one. I, I really am. Who's who's uh, the uh, the Buck uh, number twos right now, Adrian? According to the story, so according to the story, right? Well, also according to the story, ESPN is going to try to pursue Joe Buck. I, that's another part of the story. But they are <laughs> Fox is considering Greg Olson, Sean McVay, Sean Payton, and maybe NBC's Drew Brees if they can try to get him in a trade. This is all according to the story. Well, listen, it's not unprecedented that uh, that. Two, two announcers leave together. I mean, Summerall and Madden left from CBS to Fox when the uh, NFC deal uh, started because they still wanted to call NFC games like they did with uh, CBS all those years. So who knows? Maybe we get the uh, Buck Aikman team going to ESPN when it's all said and done. Entirely plausible. That's a good good throwback callback there, too, uh, on Summerall and Madden. I, I, I do remember that. Thank you. Yeah, because you're old enough. That's a, you have yeah. to be. You have to be a certain age to remember that. I get you. All right, Jeff. Um, hey, by the way, speaking of baseball, one last baseball thought, and then we'll we'll get off baseball. Um, because players have not had the facilities to work out since December, do you think there's going to be a bigger risk for injuries this year, or because training facilities are just so advanced in general, big leaguers have plenty of places to go work out, and even if it's not supervised by their big league clubs, uh, that really shouldn't be an issue. I think it's a good question. I'm not really sure the answer to that. I, I do think you know, medical, you know, modern medical sports science is, has improved. I think a lot of it probably depends on the motivation of the player and how proactive he is. I also, you know, the cynic. Uh, maybe it's not even cynic. Maybe it's the optimist. But uh, the cynic or optimist to me, depending on how you picture it, thinks that maybe in some cases on the download, the team medical personnel are in contact with players. I would bet. I would bet that's the case at least on a few teams. I, I mean, I don't know. Really, don't know how they can enforce no contact. How they can and what what sort of punishment comes to that. But uh, we'll see. I mean, I think at the end of the day, medical personnel are medical personnel, and they they're. Their loyalties are to making people better. I need to mention the website today, rotowire.com, because you've got some really interesting things. You know, we spend so much time talking about the big baseball football stories when, uh, you know, it's, it's the time of year. But you've got on the website right now Bracketology 3.0. 
analyzing the bubble. You've got the NFL offseason guides. You've got waiver wire in hockey. You've got the college hoops barometer. You've got UFC fight night picks. All this is up right now at Rotowire in addition to all the baseball stuff you can handle. Yeah, and that's one thing that we have a benefit that we're not football only, we're not baseball only, so you know, it's easier to generate content. Except for when the world stops, uh like it did in twenty twenty, you know, it, you know, when there was just no sports, that made it harder. But uh, otherwise, you know, think it just the world keeps going round and round. I also have to mention this one too. Betting on Premier League. How about that? You got a weekly betting soccer feature involving the EPL up on rotowire.com with uh, one of your writers. Adam, what's his last name? How do you pronounce it? Zadroik. Oh, it's just like it's spelled. Zadroik, who who yep. breaks down betting for Premier League matches. That's what I'm saying. There's a lot more to Rotowire than what we talk about. We just don't always run the gamut like we are today. Major League Baseball is going to turn people into soccer fans before you know it. It is. It's already happening. And and then again, there's some soccer fans that are just going to be like, all right, I'll just put baseball away altogether and just focus all my attention on soccer uh, yeah, when it's probably. all said and done. So uh, you even said you're going to be putting some USFL content up, assuming we get some games. So I'm excited about that, too. Very nice. Yeah. Branching Why the not? website I mean, out. You know, I, I just hope that the USFL doesn't uh, do like what the XFL did and like try to tell you Superman's cape. Uh, in the NFL, I think you know they had a good product. They just they flew. They tried to fly too high to the sun so quickly. There, um, I think if they have, I don't want to say modest ambitions, but if they realize that okay, we people just want to be able to watch football and not be, be like have, have the wool pulling over their eyes, saying like someone saying, "Hey, it's better than the NFL." It's, we know it's not better than the NFL. We'll still watch it though, uh, as long as it's kind of like that. I think it could be our. I think it could work out. More depressing or less depressing by the time we talk again on Wednesday next week involving baseball? Mm, I want to be optimistic, so let's say say less depressing. All right. I hope you're right there. I really do. Great job as always. Appreciate it, Jeff. We'll talk to you next Wednesday. Awesome. Thanks, Steve. Jeff Erickson, folks. Check him out. Rotowire.com. And you can also follow him on Twitter at Jeff underscore Erickson as we continue here on Sports Talk. All right. Plenty more to get to. 880-5763. That is our telephone number to get right on in and through to the program. But first, let's go take a timeout. ABC 7 News is next, and we'll wrap up Hour 2 and look ahead to Hour 3, where we're going to meet the best racquetball player in the country right here in El Paso. Who would have thunk it? Maybe they'll do. Maybe Jeff will have a Rotowire segment on him for next week's show. We'll do that coming up. Sports Talk continues, 600 ESPN El Paso. Latest involving Conference USA and Marshall. So today, Marshall was given, thanks to the um, Cabell County Circuit Court in West Virginia, a temporary restraining order against CUSA which is going to prevent them from proceeding with arbitration. The temporary restraining order is enforceable until March the 7th, but it can be renewed. Here is what the court said, and I quote, The court finds that Marshall faces immediate and irreparable injury and is likely to succeed on the merits, according to a copy of the motion obtained by The Athletic. If Marshall is forced to proceed with arbitration, It will violate the West Virginia Constitution and the United States Constitution. Moreover, the court finds the balance of equities favor Marshall 
and that granting the motion for temporary restraining order is in the public interest. Now, last week, CUSA sent Marshall a demand for arbitration. This is all according to Chris Vanini with The Athletic, who joined us a couple of weeks ago. So the demand for arbitration involves a third party who would make a ruling on Marshall's ability to leave the conference by July the 1st. CUSA also requested an immediate injunction to prevent Marshall from leaving the league. Now, here's the thing that drives me nuts, okay? Marshall wants out. CUSA says no. Marshall even came to the league and said, we will pay you extra to get out of the league. And the league said, nope, we don't want it. We don't have no interest. We are going to hold you to it. Now that the courts are involved, you wonder, will the courts actually make CUSA pay damages to Marshall in addition to letting them come out early? which is the dumbest thing you could possibly ever do if you're a conference. You imagine you've got a school willing to pay you additional money to get out. You say no, you have to stay. Then you want arbitration, they file an injunction, it goes to court, and suddenly if CUSA loses, it's such a bad look on this conference. A terrible look. Yeah, I mean, Steve, you had a chance to get in front of this early, and and like Chris Vanini had talked about uh, with us, maybe you settle it with mediation. Maybe it's monetary settlements uh, when it's in mediations, but that's behind closed doors, and that's when both sides reach a settlement. That's the side of Conference USA and the side of the schools who want to leave, Marshall, Old Dominion, and Southern Miss. If you had those resolution meetings and the mediations uh, that would would, uh, generate the monetary, I guess, uh, resolution for all of this, then none of this would even be happening right now. Conference USA would not be in the news, and uh, Marshall wouldn't have to be suing this league or, or, or going with a, a temporary restraining order in this sense, like we're talking about today. This is, uh, you know, Conference USA has handled handled this so poorly uh, so far. Here's what I don't get. Okay, the next hearing date for the case is scheduled to be March 16th. Sunbelt's going to put their football schedule out by then. So what happens? So if Marshall is not in the Sunbelt schedule for 2022, do they just drop it and say, well, we, we missed it. It's too late. We're out of here. Or what do they do? Or do they proceed until the Sunbelt include us? Because we're not playing in any other conference in 2022. I think they they pull out their poker face and they just say, hey, we here's our schedule. It includes Marshall. It includes Southern Miss. It includes Old Dominion. It includes James Madison, who's also joining yeah. the league this summer. Yeah, I think the Sun Belt will move forward with those schools. Even though then it now involves the Sun Belt in the dispute with Conference USA. Do they want any part of that? Does this, I mean, the Sun Belt's been staying clear of this for a while because they don't want to be involved in this mess. They probably told Marshall, look, we'd love to have you, but we are not jumping in and putting ourselves in a position to get sued by Conference USA. So you're on your own. Get it done. We'd love to have you. If not, hey, we got to move on without you for another year. Listen That's to, what I would do if I was a Sun Belt. Listen to this lazy statement today by Conference USA. Here we go. While Conference USA respects the court's decision to temporarily grant the recent motion filed by Marshall, the Conference USA Board of Directors stand firm in their belief that all Conference USA institutions, including Marshall, are expected to honor their contractual obligations and adhere to the agreed-upon bylaws and covenants. That's ridiculous. What is wrong with this conference? Really? Believes. What? They say believes. That's what is hilarious. wrong with them? I mean, I just, look, you're losing the schools anyway. You had a chance to cash out and make a little extra, 
It's not going to put you under the threshold for a year. Do it. Let him out. Why do you want a school or schools that have no interest in being in this league? Why do you want them? Just because it's their contract and their legal right? You're not going to hurt the TV deal. They don't have a TV deal. Their TV deal sucks. What are you going to jeopardize? Stadium? Facebook? CBS Sports for the two games it airs? I mean, it's a joke. As it is, they should be on ESPN+. Plus. Every game should be on the Plus. Get rid of the uh, get rid of CUSA TV, put it all on the Plus, and for 60 bucks, you get every game the whole season in all sports. Do it the right way. Yeah, the, the TV deal is such a mess. I, I mean, I don't blame any of these teams trying to leave. And, and also, Steve, I don't blame them trying to take this to court and, and really trying to settle this in a legal way. Now, Marshall may have been more inclined to pay uh, their full uh, payout or, or whatever their exit fee was in Conference USA to the fullest tier before Conference USA was so resistant on them leaving, on Southern Miss leaving, on Old Dominion leaving. Now it's blurred. It's unclear clear what kind of uh, payout and exit fee we could be looking at. Maybe the uh, maybe CUSA has to pay Marshall in damages oh, when it's all said and done. How do we fees. know? How, how great would that be? Really? How great would that be if Marshall ends up getting money from CUSA as a result of this instead of CUSA getting additional money from Marshall to leave the conference? Should we expect that? I think we might have to start expecting the worst out of this league. It's the CUSA way. That's right. It's the, it's the worst way. We need to make T-shirts. I don't know why we haven't yet. It's the CUSA way. So I think a lot of people would jump on board. Even the, the schools leaving, like UTSA. UAB, oh, they'd be our, they'd they be our biggest be like, They'd be our biggest sellers. Yeah. They would be our biggest sellers. Um, absolutely. All right, when we return, we are going to meet the number one racquetball player in the United States. He lives here in El Paso. He is ranked number one in the country, fifth in the world. That's coming up. Sports Talk continues. Hour three, right here. 600 ESPN El Paso. That's the hour as we continue here on Sports Talk. Alex Londa is here with us. So, Adrian, uh, during the break, we were talking with Alex, and uh, when he won the world title, he won it as part of Team USA. So, wow, okay. It's very cool. And, uh, and that was something I didn't even realize when we were talking to you before because Team USA and USA Racquetball – had a, a delegation of four uh, men's players and I believe three women's players, correct? Three females. Correct. And uh, you all played in the world competition last year in Guatemala. Um, representing the United States uh, in this kind of uh, world competition, let's just talk about what that whole experience was like from when you were named to be part of the, the four-member uh, Team USA men's team to, to winning the, uh, the singles title. Uh, tell me a little bit about how that whole process went. Uh, it's an uh, individual competition. And, uh, for example, like me, that I won first. And, uh, and then we got third and doubles. And then there's the ladies, too. So they combine uh, all the points. And at the end, they, they add all the points. And that, that's, how they, uh, that's how we got the, the first place by teams, too, by country. So it's we got uh, I got individual first place and yeah. then team US, USA won first place as a team. So you get two medals. We got two medals and two trophies. Yes. Oh, that's awesome. That is very very cool. Um, now, were you also being recruited by Mexico? Did they want you to come and represent uh, the country of Mexico at the World Championships, or did you tell them, "Hey, listen, 
I've lived in El Paso now for the last uh, a lot of years, and I'm, I'm I'm staying with Team USA. Actually, I have I have a story to to talk about it. Uh, uh, I play with I play for Mexico many years, uh, but uh, on 2019 uh, I won the nationals, uh, and and I'm and as a number one player in Mexico, they kicked me out of the team and they didn't took me to the Pan Am Championships. Really? Yes, that's that's why I move. I mean, that's why I choose to. It took me this. 20 minutes to find out that there was controversy involved <laughs> wow, in this. there's some drama yes. here. There is drama. Yeah. Okay, so wait. Now, let me make sure I get this right. Um, you're playing for Mexico. Yep. And you are the number one player in the country of Mexico at the time just, what, three years ago? Yeah, not even two and a half years. Two and a half years ago, okay. And had you ever played for Team USA uh, prior to that? Have you always been with Mexico at that point? Always been with Mexico. Okay. Always. And they, for whatever reason, decided they're not taking you to Panama. They're going to replace you with somebody else. Yes. How does that happen? What happened? No reason. <laughs> it sounds like it's uh, politics? Politics, yes. Oh, my goodness. And you had no idea that was coming? Uh, no, because I won. Uh, uh, I was the number one player. I won nationals. So I won my spot. So Sure. Yep. Was it because you were living here and not there? No, no, no. No, no. Because you had won because you had been living in El Paso all these years before, yeah. representing Mexico and yeah, winning. And nothing happened before. But for some reason, they decided they don't want you uh, with them um, at, in, in, uh, you know, in Panama. Panama Games. Yeah. Panama Pan Games. Yeah. So, okay. So, at that point, you said, all right, I'm going to go and, and, and represent and play with team. And I'm sure Team USA probably said, Alex... We would love to have you. Oh yeah, come by and uh, more than likely we'd love to have you join our, the, you know, the red, white, and blue. Yeah, right, right away they they write me and and they open the door for me here. What was the experience like? Uh, was it different for you competing with Team USA as opposed to competing with Team with Team Mexico? And then what was it like going up against them uh, in the world competitions? Because that had to be something big. Oh yeah, you know it's it it was a. A rare feeling, you know. It, it's, it wasn't easy, but I was mentally prepared for that. And uh, and when I won, I knew it was the, the I took the right decision to to represent USA. And I'm sure for you, satisfying knowing that. Uh, did you end up? Uh, did Mexico come in second in the competition behind Team USA? Yes. So there you go. So not only did you win, but you're able to beat your former your former team and uh, and and your other and your other country because it's you have dual citizenship. I'm sure for Mexico and the United States. So here you go. You get an opportunity to that would be probably the most one of the most satisfying wins of your career. Oh yeah, definitely, man. If somebody out there is listening right now, and whether they're a youngster, whether they're older, and they want to take up racquetball for the first time, they never played. What advice would you give them? Oh, just to try it. You know, it's a, it's an amazing sport. Uh, but if you start young, younger, it's it's better. I start a little bit older, but I'm glad I I had the ability to, to practice it. But like I said, it's, it's all mental, like like any other thing in life. You have to keep trying, keep trying. If you if you feel that you can do it. But wait a minute, you're ten or eleven years old, and you're saying that was old to start playing racquetball. What I mean, how how young do uh, do kids start? Uh, six, seven, eight. Really? Yep. Wow, I didn't. I, I, I had no idea. I figured that you know, uh, ten teenage years that'd be a great time. But there actually are kids that at six or seven years old are playing racquetball. Mm-hmm. That's uh, that's that's pretty impressive. Actually, the division starts I think at six. 
with multi bounces. Um, we played to one bounce. Right. But there's the the kids play multi bounce so they can hit the ball whenever they want. Makes it easier for them to, to learn yeah, the to game learn, and yep. then hit the ball. Mm-hmm. Do we have a lot of kids in El Paso playing racquetball? Not that I know. So really what we could do is try to see more youngsters here get involved because all you need is a good racquetball racket to start and uh, a nice uh, blue bouncing ball and you're good to go. Yep. Yeah. All right. I like that. Um, and it's not an expensive sport to play. All I gotta do is just join the Y and be all set, right? Yeah, there's cheap equipment when when you start. You it's not expensive. Do you do camps for kids? Uh, I started last year with one camping in Mexico, but I I wanna do more here, even in uh, here in Mexico and here in the states too. I believe it. Now, who'd you bring with you? You got a friend of yours here. Who's 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 along for the uh, ride with you today? He's, he's my sparring partner. What's his? What's his? What's some, his? Name? Sometimes my coach. <laughs> what is he? What's his? What's yeah. his name? Over here. Uh, he's Rudy Duran. All right, uh, Rudy. Rudy, come on here. Grab grab a microphone for a second, because I want to. Rudy, I mean, listen. Alex is very modest. Okay, and during this interview, he's really hasn't. Uh, you know, he, he's not bragging, even though he's number one player in the U.S. Rudy, get close to that microphone right next to Alex, and tell me. I mean, for people that you know are, are obviously. Uh, like myself, which I would say is a racquetball novice, the best way to put it. How do you describe what Alex is like since you sparred and trained with him all the time on the court? Mm, that's a hard one because, I mean, I'm I'm a decent player. Yeah, a little closer to the mic for me. There you go. I'm a decent player, and I can't even come close to beating Alex on on my best day. Well, and you said you're decent. Uh, how many years have you been playing? Um, I would say since about 2008. Right, so you've ten, more than 10 years, almost 15 years. Yeah, just about. Okay. And yet, uh, Alex is just on that level. Right? You can just tell when somebody has the ability to do things that other people can't, and that's probably what Alex is like on the, uh, you know, on the racquetball court. That's what it's like. He's even here, when he plays here, He's not even playing at a level that he plays when he's in a major tournament. So when he's in a major tournament, he has gears that he doesn't even have to to pull out here to play anybody local or around here. So he takes it easy on you? Pretty much. All right. Just somebody hit the ball back. Is it tough for you, Alex, knowing you can't get to that level here in town to continue to prepare yourself? Or have you just, since you've been doing it all these years, you know when to go to that next level when you start to play in major tournaments all over the world? Yeah, like Rudy mentioned, uh, when I go out in uh, tournaments, uh, like I prepare myself mentally and I know that I have to uh, play at a different level with the, with the, with the pro players. And uh, here I just like to play and, and have fun and, and, and enjoy the game and do try to do new things like, you know, fancy shots or whatever. Have fun. Trick shots. Trick yeah. shots, yeah. Adrian mentioned training earlier. What's your diet like and uh, what do you do just to stay in shape when you're not on the court uh, getting all your cardio in? Uh, I do CrossFit. I, I do CrossFit. I like CrossFit. And uh, I do different drills in, inside the court. Are there any sponsorships available for this? Of, you know, solo practice. Yeah. Solo practice just to tune up his shot. I believe it, Rudy. Uh, sponsorships, Alex, what do you have in terms of that? I have a few. Uh, like Head is my main sponsor. They're, they're the gear, the yep. rackets. And uh, I have a few others in what is the, that support me, that they, they give me money for the expenses. And USA Racquetball supports me too. 
could you use a couple of local sponsors so you could start throwing patches on your shirt? Next thing you know, you'll be like a NASCAR driver when you're going to play. You have all these different sponsorships all over your uh, all over your shirt. Oh yeah, I yeah. wish. Maybe Avila's. <laughs> there you go. Well, let's get Andy to do it. Andy Avila, if you're listening, uh, please. It's time. You know, you play enough uh, racquetball. Now it's time to, uh, to to sponsor Alex and uh, throw the Avila's Mexican restaurant logo on your uh, on your shirt. I think that'd be great. What's next for you in terms of uh, your tour stops? Where are you going? Uh, we have Chicago. Uh, next month, uh, March 17 to the 20. Okay. And then I think we have uh, New York, uh, Sioux Falls, um, South Dakota. And then we have the wor- World Games in July. And that's going to be, you said, in Birmingham. Birmingham, yes. All right. Very nice. If uh, fans want to follow you and kind of learn uh, more about you, or do they have some of your videos on YouTube and things like that? Yeah, there's videos of YouTube of myself and my social media, Alex Landa, Facebook, Instagram. Fantastic. You on Twitter? I'm on Twitter too. All right, good. And you tw- and, and so you're all over social media. Yes, I like that. By the way, when it's all said and done, what's your goal? When when you've when you when you've called it a career and you've retired from the sport of racquetball, what would you like to uh, what would you like to say when uh, when when people start to think about you and and you know and they hear the name Alex Landa? What would you like? Uh, I want to retire as number one uh, player on tour, and uh, I want I want to win the the Pan Am Games. Uh, we have those in in Chile in twenty. 2023. So, so that's so, next year. That's Pan Am Games year. next year in Chile. In Chile, yes. You want to win that, and I'm sure you're ready to win that as Team USA because how perfect, how fitting would that be? The games that they they didn't keep you in Mexico, you come back as a member of Team USA and win those and, and do it again. Yeah, and that's, those, those games are every four years, right. and those are the ones that didn't take me mm-hmm. back in, in 2019. You're on, you're on a mission, Alex, is what it tells I'm on me. A mission. I was on a mission last year, and, and, and and I completed, so I, I still have one more. Man, I'm excited. Hey, great to have you here. Thank, Thank you. you. Rudy, thanks for dropping in as well. And uh, we'll definitely keep track and uh, plan on coming back with us, and we'll do this again sometime, okay? Thank you, Steve. I appreciate it. You got it. He's Alex Londa, folks, as we continue on Sports Talk, bottom of the hour. Let's go to Adrian and get this Sports Center update. That was fascinating, that segment with Alex Londa. And, I mean, man, what a story, you know? And, and it, I had no idea about the whole thing with Mexico until he brought it up in conversation. That's incredible to think about that. Yeah, and, and just the fact that there's so much po- uh, politics mm. behind all of this, Steve. It seems like a lot of controversy. You know, he seemed like a humble guy, didn't want to dive into all the controversy that's right. going on. But you could see that there's some drama going on in the background there. He wants to win, yeah. and he wants to win the Pan Am Games because that's where it all went down. Man, that's you know that's the hunger right there by him, and and you know I'm rooting for him. He's a local guy. He's training here. It's tough for him to find the resources to do so, but he's he's still one of the best in the world. When you go to TeamUSA.org, that's where you can get all the information on the racquetball team and uh, and how they won the world championship. So it's TeamUSA.org, and you'll get a chance to see uh, Alex Londa and the rest of his team right there. Yeah, and actually, I just found him on Twitter. He's uh, he's at Alex Landa 2024. So you know he's got his eyes set on uh, the 2024 Olympics. Absolutely. You know, it's funny. As we wrapped up the interview, uh, Chad Middleton, who was listening in, tweeted in, how does he play at such a top level when he's not playing at that top level all the time? I know. I think he just basically said that, and Rudy said it, he has another gear. He just has this way to put it into another gear when he's going up against big tournaments and somehow he can play here just to stay 
fit. But then when he goes there, he has the ability to just ramp it up. He also plays 12 events a year. He goes once a month to all the big events. So he's, you know, he mentioned he's going to Chicago, then New York, then Birmingham. So there's, a, there's an event each month for him. But it's got to be tough when you don't have players on your level. The facilities are the YMCA, and we've got a guy here who's the number one player uh, in, right now, the reigning world champ. Yeah, it's pretty amazing right there. The fact that he could do all of this despite the ro- the roadblocks that come his way now another thing that should be noted uh yeah there are athletes out there who could kind of turn it on when the lights are on but it takes a a special type of athlete to do that to really have that trigger in your brain to say all right now the lights are on now the pressure's on now the stakes are on and the the competition is better than ever than i've seen yeah let me let me go out and give it my all that's wild it really is and um you could tell he's modest he really uh tried to downplay everything but yet you know, you don't have facilities here besides the Y. Nobody plays the sport. It's amazing. Think about what the guy was able to achieve. With It'd be like going to playing baseball, but eh, nobody really plays baseball. And there's nobody really any good. But, uh, oh, yeah, by the way, I just won the home run contest and I hit the ball 500 feet. I mean, it's like, you know, it just it's, it's, it's crazy to think that there's nobody here for him really to compete at the top level with, yet... Here he is, 33 years old, one of the best racquetball players on the planet right here in El Paso. Yeah, and the thing is, is it, like even if you watch tennis, you need you rely on that uh, opposing person to hit the ball toward you, so you could just gauge you know different speeds coming your way. So you rely on a lot of that stuff, so you can protect, uh, perfect your craft, and, and really get good at this sport. And yep. the fact that he's doing this, you know, basically by himself, that's uh, that's so special. Yeah, Rudy's his practice dummy. That's the way he basically yeah. said it. You know, Rudy's been playing this sport for what almost 15 years, and he said even on his best. Day, he's nowhere close. Yeah, that just shows you the level of uh, the level that he's really at. I mean, he's the top of the world right here in this sport. It's pretty awesome. All right, thirty-seven passed as we continue here on Sports Talk. He just signed the board, by the way. Nice, that's so great. We got, we got Alex Fitting. on the board. Fitting. Yeah. We have to we have to have a world champ on the board. Yeah, most definitely. Board keeps growing, by the way. You notice that? Yeah, it, there are a lot of signatures on there. One day we're gonna we're gonna check in the studio, and the whole board will be signed. Got to figure out how we're gonna do that someday. You're right. All right, we'll come back. Wrap it up next. Final countdown. Thirty-eight passes. Sports talk continues. Six hundred ESPN El Paso.